Hi, and welcome to episode 317 of No Crying in Baseball, the Miss You Bro episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. How's I miss you going? too. Am I the bro? Well, I think that I could be a bro. You, you could be a bro. You, you could be a bro. <laughs> I was at a baseball game without you, so mm-hmm. I, I missed you a little bit. I was really referring to what you're telling us about in just a few minutes. Okay. But, but that's okay. I did miss you. I, um, I went to the O's game last night because a really spectacular seat dropped in my lap and I couldn't say no to that so I watched the O's Rockies from up close and the most important part of my night was when I texted Potty Mouse saying I've never been closer to Charlie Blackman's beard wow yeah it is was it is thing. it really like how long would you say like what how far is it down is it it, it, it was I mean it, is it it's not like it's a steam shovel length that we've okay. seen in the past it's it's um it's exuberant mm-hmm. it's exuberant um I yeah and he also was very good at the plate, which made me sad because, yeah. you know, but the O's won in the end. And actually, he did make the last out, which was also kind of fun. But the most important thing was it was a sellout crowd. I have not been to Orioles wow. Park with a sellout crowd since I think probably opening season. Um, part of that, okay, so first place is a big part of that, but also they had a Felix Batista bobblehead yeah, giveaway, more did. about Felix later, but that was a big part of it, and it was a beautiful night for baseball. Yeah. And everybody was, it, it felt World Baseball Classic level of enthusiasm, which is just stunning. That and is it was amazing. so much fun to be a part of that. I've, I've never been there sold out. Like, yeah. I, I'm hoping that that's a, a trend for the rest of the year, seeing as though they're still cruising and... Yeah, that means that we have to like plan ahead to go though. Like, it, with no more of those like last minute. Yes. All right. Yes, for sure. Oof. Yes, for sure. Um, how how's your how's your well being? Your your stress e- level? E- I am not doing well, folks out there. Tomorrow is like negative Christmas for me. It's like it's like the opposite. It's it's the first day of the school year, and and teacher, you know, the kids might be excited. The kids might be dreading it. Teachers are just a little bit neurotic. I don't know. There, there are some folks out there, I'm sure, that are looking forward to it and have their classrooms all set up and their copies all made. That's ah, not me. I, I am switching jobs. So I think I had like a higher amount of shit to get together and it's not quite together. But I've been doing this so long that I am an expert on winging it. So I feel like, you know, it comes down to it. I wing it, and I'm I'm gonna be introducing baseball to my immigrant student through through math. I have this plan because it's so perfect for so much math. So I'm teaching math; they're learning baseball. It's gonna be good. Everybody's gonna be happy with yes. that. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to see that because I think that's a fantastic way to get it all done. Yeah, wish me luck on that. On today's show, for boyfriends, we've got Dodgers East. We've got Rally, Rayleigh, and Reggaeton. We've got pitchers coming and going. We're supporting girls' baseball and breaking records. And our police blotter features gunshots and the absence of consent. Cheers. All right. Cheers. I think so. And once again, I'm going to point everybody to our Instagram to see uh, Patty's outfit of the day, what, what what you're wearing. And it is the hot dog race. Nope. It's the condiment race. Uh, the condiment race. See, that's right. It's more inclusive that way. Yeah. Because you don't know what those dogs are. They could be tofu pups. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's clearly mustard, that. ketchup, and, and relish. Right. But you don't know what they're on. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very good. I really appreciate you yeah. framing it that sure. way because who knows what's between the buttons. Sure. What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
so to speak. So happy I didn't right. just take a sip of my beer, which also, may I say, is very oh, good. Yeah. I'm drinking um, Checkered Past, mm. which is a Czech Pilsner that we brought back from our baseball oh, that's road right. trip. This is from the Chatham Brewery in New York, and it's quite refreshing. And once again, I am drinking Wicked Weed. I forget, Dr. Dank, I think is what it's called, and it's hazy, and it's powerful. And so are you. And <laughs> so perfect. Yes, it totally works Works right now. So, to nobody's surprise, I might be talking about the Red Sox a little bit, but this weekend was special. And even though I've been banging at the computer and trying to get my shit done, we have another screen with the Red Sox-Dodgers game on the whole time. And it was super emotional for so many reasons. Um, you know, we we recently were at Fenway Park and we got our Kike Hernandez bobbleheads with the lovely sticker of goodbye from Kike. And so this was his first time coming back after being traded to the Dodgers about a month ago, I would say. But the bigger story clearly was Mookie Betts, who hadn't been back playing at Fenway since he was traded in 2019. And the coolest summary of both of these, the, the emotion of both of these players, look up Mookie Betts' podcast on YouTube. And if you haven't watched it yet, I, I mean, at to, up till this point, I had only watched the little clips on like Twitter and Instagram, which are hysterical and endearing and like all of, you know, 30 seconds to two minutes long. But the whole episode, it's, it's so cool, especially for the one with Kike Hernandez, to hear out of his own mouth all of these stories that we've been telling about him for years, like the story when he pretended he didn't know how to speak English when he was in the minor league and the story when he shit his pants and like all sorts of great things. And he's just a, just a master storyteller. And Mookie Betts is a great interviewer. So definitely check out On Base with Mookie Betts. This is the latest episode, the 12th episode, but they talk a little bit and they, they, they recorded it before going back to Fenway. So they talk a little bit about their feelings, like we're a little nervous going back in another uniform. And and Mookie brought it up and Kike just turned to him and he's like, do not worry about it. They miss you, bro. I see so many number 50 Betts shirts around there. Everybody loves Mookie Betts. You will have no problem. And sure enough, he was right because Mookie got the biggest standing O by a visiting player that I think I've ever seen. I mean, it was astounding. And the part that literally brought tears to my eyes and they're, they're like, you know, showing the whole crowd and, and scanning everybody. And then they first, I think they first flashed to Alex Cora. Yeah. Clapping in the that. dugout. Yeah. And that was just Oh, he misses Mookie. And then they showed Raphael Devers with a big, huge grin clapping on the field. So it was just all the feels. And there were, there's also, you know, all the asking Mookie, would you have stayed if they had offered you whatever? And in the beginning, I saw his responses that were sort of like, yeah, I mean, at that point in his life, he had been brought up by the Red Sox. That was his team. He thought he was going to stay there. He thought they were going to do him right and keep him. And they didn't. But in hindsight, it kind of worked out well for him. I mean, yeah. he's, he's clearly doing amazing with the Dodgers. And him and Freddie, Freddie Freeman are like killer number one and two on the lineup. But he also talked, and both he and Kike talked about the moment in their life that made them feel like older, like a responsible person was having a kid. So they both went through that in, recently. They both have, have little ones. And they feel sort of like more mature. And he said that he's a different person now than he was when he was in 20s. And they're all—they're both, I think, like right around 30. Also, there's a lot of talk about 
what Mookie's done for himself in LA. So he's like, he's in LA and they're they're calling him like this Hollywood guy. Like he's got this podcast. He's got this YouTube thing. He also has a production company and he's working on a Jackie Robinson po- uh, uh, movie, documentary, oh, wow. um, which, you know, super meaningful for him now being a Dodger. And he sort of, you know, holds Jackie Robinson up as his idol and somebody that he wants to you know reach that level that level of achievement so just the opportunities that he has in LA makes sense it still makes me sad (laughs) but I don't know there's all sorts of of weird things on the field as far as which players are where and I'll get into the Red Sox Dodgers like tight it's just the weirdest overlap family relationship but also I didn't realize that Jason Hayward was on the Dodgers Jay Hay Wearing Dodgers uniform just looked weird right? to me. Yeah. It looked really weird. Yeah. And uh, and Kike, you know, wearing that Donner Dodger uniform and clearly uh, pants by again d- designed by Tanner Scott yeah. of the tight pants. So appreciated that. Um, this also over so all this talk about Mookie Mookie and a little bit about Kike coming back overshadowed overshadowed the fact that this was Justin Turner's first time playing against the team that he thought he was going to be with forever. He thought he was a forever Dodger. He was with them for nine seasons, including the World Series. He's the all-time Dodgers postseason leader in games played, hits, RBI, and runs scored. And so for him to be facing his former team, and he did really well. I don't know. I didn't write down how many home runs there were, but there were several by Justin Turner. And he was just that spark. And that he's just such a good dude in the bullpen. In not bullpen, in the dugout. He's um, you know, encouraging his teammates. He's doing all the right things. So overlap. Everybody is like on the field saying hi to the old teammates. There were all these shots of Kenley Jansen hanging out with Clayton Kershaw. And with Dave Roberts. So Kenley, now closer for the Red Sox, used to be longtime closer for the Dodgers. Last year was with Atlanta, but longtime with the Dodgers. Um, uh, Wong, Connor Wong, and Alex Verdugo were the two two of the three guys, including Jeter Downs, who is now out. Well, actually, he's in the Nats organization. Um, But he he didn't stick around with the Red Sox. But Wong and Verdugo were two of the guys who were traded for for Mookie Betts. So they came over. They both have history with the Dodgers. Wong was in the minors, but Verdugo played with the Dodgers. And then on the other way, Red Sox to Dodgers, J.D. Martinez, um, Ryan Brazier, who I saw pitch today, and he didn't get quite as warm a welcome at all as, (laughs) as Mookie or or Kike, who did get a, a nice welcome, you know, nothing compared to the the majestic well, matron. Well, he hadn't had enough time to miss him. Yeah, and plus Mookie, I mean, who can who can beat Mookie? Um, Joe Kelly also, but the the interesting thing about JD Martinez and Ryan Brazier and Joe Kelly is they were all on the World Series 2018 team, so you would think they would show a little appreciation to to Ryan Brazier. And actually, I saw the funniest fucking interview with Joe Kelly where it was asking him about his time in Boston, and he actually said that his, I think it was five seasons in Boston, were like the best of his career. And he was asked, um, what you know, what's that like? Is it it's tough in Boston? And he was like, you know, if you're asking that question, Boston's not for you. He's, he basically said <laughs> it's like, like asking how much it costs when you're at Tiffany's. Right. <laughs> right. He's like, you know, it it didn't bother him. He's like, it's a game. We're here playing fun. And he appreciated the Boston fans for their spirit. And he said one time he was driving home after a game that he blew. 
driving home to Quincy and somebody pulls up beside him on the highway, like going like this, like roll down your window. He rolls down the window and the guy flips him off and says, fuck you, Kelly, you blew the game or whatever. But he thought that was great, like that he cared enough. So we need more people with that kind of, um, she, you know, shell, like that kind of <laughs> tough skin. Joe Kelly Fight Club. And actually, I saw Mookie Betts wearing a Joe, Be- Joe Kelly Fight Club uh, T-shirt nice. very recently. On top of that, Alex Cora and Dave Roberts, the two managers, played together for the Dodgers. So they played together for the Dodgers 2002 to 2004, at which point Dave Roberts went where? Went to the Red Sox. And clearly, you know, Dave Roberts, despite being the opposing manager, he will not ever have to buy a beer in Boston because he stole that base in the 2004 ALCS and turned the tide and, you know, the rest is history. So that that move definitely was pivotal in the Red Sox breaking the curse and winning that World Series. Um, They both have Red Sox World Series rings. So uh, Dave Roberts from 2004 and Alex Cora from 2007. So the Dodgers took the series two out of three, which was a little sad, but I was glad that at least the Red Sox won one game. It was good to see Tanner Houck back out after his fractured face at the beginning of this season. He's pitching again. So, you know, the the IL giveth and the IL taketh away, and they're they're hopefully coming back. We'll see what Mr. Sale has to do in in a few days against Houston. So two things. One is... With Mookie's standing ovation, do you think that the Red Sox or the Dodgers submitted a like a permission slip to the umpires <laughs> to say, hey, oh, yeah. regarding the pitch clock, right. or you think they just knew? Because remember, Cody Bellinger, that, that was a pitch clock yep. violation as opposed to a celebratory several moments of... Yeah. yeah. I bet it was just the, the fear of getting decked by the Fenway faithful. Like, yeah, you know, like, I don't think I don't think he would have dared to do anything in For the presence sure. of that many Red Sox fans. And let's let's couch this in the um, in the world of boyfriends. So Kike and Mookie, both mm, right. former boyfriends. Right, right. Of so yours. the guys that we pick in the offseason because they're cool. We each pick one guy per team. And I picked Kike and Mookie, actually, both, our very first season of this podcast. So if you want to find more about their like their past, uh, go way, way back into our archives and, and find that out. A- another just uh, impressive showing was Dodger fans showed up in mass at Fenway Park. That's a long flight. Like, a lot of people came across the country, both for this game. Do you think they Do you think they just pulled their jerseys out from their closets because they live in Boston now? (laughs) I don't, you know, I'm wondering how many people would relocate from L.A. to Boston. That's kind of crazy. On the the broadcast, they alluded to flights coming in, so I'm just going to go with that. The other thing, though, that was planned for the weekend um, today, I think, was uh, Justin Turner's Turner Trot. So oh, yeah. it's his third annual, the last two he had done in L.A. Mm-hmm. And so I think, and I saw pictures of lots of people running with Dodgers, you know, well, jerseys, whatever. Um, I think maybe they came out for a double, you know, could get be. a game and get a trot. Could get a trot. I want to get one free. Yeah. I'm going to talk about my Mariners boyfriend, Cal Raleigh, and also give a nod to to Potty Mouth's former boyfriend, Julio Rodriguez, oh, at the thank same you. time. Appreciated. So I haven't talked about Cal for a little while. So I'm going to catch you up on all of the milestones in the past, oh, I don't know, two weeks Wow, that he's hit. So he's my second favorite current catcher. I talk about my first favorite <laughs> catcher a lot. So let's let's give Cal a little bit of love. On August 11th, 
Cal became the second catcher in Mariners history with back-to-back 20 home run seasons. He's only uh, he so he joins um, Mike Zunino in in that category, right? On the 16th, he became the second fastest player in team history to hit 50 home runs. That's 271 games. Only Arod had more. Yesterday, Oof. yesterday Julio Rodriguez broke Arod's record, getting his 50th career homer in 256 games. A-Rod's record was 271. Wow. He shattered that record. How Anytime about that? Anytime you talk about breaking A-Rod's record, I sure. smile. And if it's one of my guys, I super big smile. This past Monday, in the 14-2 win over the White Sox, Raleigh became the first catcher in Mariners history to hit at least two home runs and drive in at least six runs in a single game. That was his Ooh. fifth multi-home run game this season. Only A-Rod and Ken Griffey Jr. have had more than uh, had more two-plus home run games in a single season. Only those two. That's kind of freaking amazing. Yeah, these guys are young. So we're recording on Sunday. So yesterday, Saturday, in the 15-2 win over, um, over Kansas City, he went two for three with a solo home run and a run scored, which means over his last 10 games... He's hitting 371, five home runs, 13 RBI, and scored seven runs. Since that earlier 20, you know, hit 20 home runs in two back-to-back seasons, he's now reached 25 home runs with yesterday's homer for the second consecutive season. So his career high is 27. He's at 25. Wow. We're in August. Yeah. Right? We got, what, 30-some more games to play. So let's see what happens there. He currently leads all Major League Baseball catchers in home runs with 25. So Cal's doing okay. Yeah, this makes me a little itchy because, I mean, I I don't know. I I have eternal hope, I guess, with the Red Sox maybe having a chance for a wild card. And it's the the Mariners and Houston and Toronto that are all in in the way. And so... um, yeah, see, you harshing on my boyfriend. Uh, no, nah, no, nah, boyfriend's well, having like a career season. It's I totally th- yeah, go ahead with right. that. But if he could do it without winning games, I would really appreciate Sometimes it more. Sometimes that's true for sure. Yeah, and and Julio Rodriguez too, like my guys. So I get, when I get those little alerts, I'm like, yay, points. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know. One team that I, I'm fine with them doing well because they're in a totally different league and division is the Phillies, <laughs> despite my um, my also my Nationals ties. But, you know, that ship has sailed for this season. It's sailing next year. That's for sure. But Trey Turner, I uh, just wanted to give a quick update. I talked about him a few weeks ago when he was in a slump and the Philly faithful had given him standing ovation just for the fuck of it, like just to try to get him So encouraged. out of character, but they're trying something new, right? And it, and it's working. So this is like the one, one person case study hmm. that I think fan bases should try to replicate. Read Yankees fans. They are not doing this. But since it was August 4th, that was that show of support where they stood up for him, even though he wasn't doing well. His August stats, he's currently batting 302 with an 882 OPS. In July, he was at 218 with 625. Moral of the story is do not boo your own player unless they're an asshole for some other reason. But don't boo them when they're doing poorly. Encourage. Encourage, because clearly that is the thing that works. 
So Luke Rayleigh, my raised boyfriend, absolutely fits in that category that you just described. I would like him to do very well. He is my raised boyfriend. Mm. The rays are only two behind the O's in the standing. So I need Luke to do very well and yet the team as a whole to not, yeah. which wasn't the case today. Um, I was remiss to report on this actually very funny um, situation for Luke Rayleigh a week and a half ago. Um, he had an inside the park home run at Oracle Park. They're playing the Giants. He hit a ball to Triples Alley, which is like, you know, deep right. It was at that big red brick wall. It bounced off the wall, didn't clear the wall to go into the water, right? It bounced off the wall, came back in, but it didn't come back into the field so much as hit the top of the center field wall. So it's already fair, Hmm. right? Because it's bouncing back Mm -hmm. in, hits the top of the wall, and then bounces into the outfield, which allows Luke to get all the way around the bases for an inside-the-park home run, which was the wackiest one ever because of all the bounces off the (laughs) walls. It's the first pinch hit inside-the-park home run in race history. Huh. He made it in 15.3 seconds, home-to-home, which is the second fastest recorded by StatCast. And I'm going to note this because last week I told you about the fastest one, which was Bobby (laughs) Witt at 14.3. So it was a full second behind, which seems like a lot numerically. And yet that's it, right? You know, the snap of the fingers behind. And he said, I would rather just hit it over the wall and be able to (laughs) jog, but they all count the same. Yeah. Yeah, I totally, totally get that. a little exercise in there. So Luke is lighting it up again. So he and Cal Raleigh are my um, highest ranked in OPS over the past seven days. So they're the guys I'm telling you about this week. But say that 10 times fast. Cal Raleigh, Luke Rayleigh. Cannot. I absolutely (laughs) cannot. Uh, I'm just doing a little bit of a flashback to my 2021 Angels boyfriend, Jose Iglesias, who I had actually hoped that the Red Sox would pick up this year because he just had a couple of minor league deals this year. He started the season in minor league of Miami and opted out because he wasn't moving up. He got picked up by San Diego. He did really well with the Chihuahuas, right? The El Paso Chihuahuas, AAA. On 123 at-bats, he was batting 317. So slashing 317, 356, 537, but no room in San Diego. So he eventually opted out. I had hoped that the Red Sox would get him at the deadline. Nothing happened. Now I see he is a reggaeton star. So he just came out with his first single. It's called Tambor. You can look up the the music video, which has a lot of gyrating hips by a scantily clad woman. But, you know, he's talented. Like, he can sing. He can definitely sing and shake it. I I think um, the the hips thing and the talent thing are not mutually exclusive. I think they're cumulative in some sort of (laughs) reggaeton way. Yeah, yeah. So also, just for you um, Immaculate Grid people, he is one of the guys who's good for the grid. And I'm definitely filing this back in my folds of the brain somewhere. Because he played for some of our favorite teams. He played for the O's and the Red Sox and the Reds and the Angels and the Tigers and the Rockies. So file that away. A lot has happened with pitchers this week that you might want to know about. So you are all aware. I'm sure you're all aware that Shohei Otani has a torn UCL. This is big, big news. He will not pitch for the rest of the season. He is possibly facing his second Tommy John surgery. His first one was in 2018. He came out of Wednesday's game with arm fatigue. He had missed his previous start because of, and I quote, arm fatigue. 
So it seems like something might have been up earlier. He is staying in as a DH, which I think, how can you swing That's what freaking bat? I'm so confused when I saw that he was playing in the Mets game. Yeah. Because, Yeah. Well, interesting happened just in the last day or so. The Angels are covering their butts now because people are saying, clearly something's been up. He missed a game. He came out early. Why weren't you acting on this? Turns out, according to their official statement, the Angels said, we invited Shohei Otani to get an MRI when he started having issues. And he and his manager turned it down. They refused the offer. They said, oh, no, things are fine. So the angels are like kind of like clapping back a little bit like, this is not on us. We are, although they played him. Yeah. So I think they're covering as much as they can. They did continue to play him. I also don't know that players should make their own medical decisions. Right. I mean, when <laughs> when someone suggests that you maybe have a preventive, right, mm-hmm. an exploratory thing that's just going to take a look at things to see yeah. if there's something wrong, go ahead and say yes. Right. It's not even invasive. You know, go and check it out. But I'm not in, in his head, so I don't know what happened. Now, there's a lot of questions about the effect on his free agency. Yeah. He was anticipated to be a $500 million free agent and some some journalists are saying he's still gonna get it and others are like not if he has another Tommy John surgery right if he has another surgery and he's out next season that's gonna be rough yeah so rough. it's it's very much very much open up in the air yeah and I agree with you on the and the angels care, covering their butts or yeah covering their butts because um there were a lot of of articles blaming them and so i think it got to the point where they kind of had to defend themselves against right and that's you know that's kind of like cutting on the edge of what can we say about medical history but it's not what any results were it's like we made an offer for a procedure and they said no and it's not an invasive procedure it's just and we're just investigating well then paul's gains number one draft pick by pittsburgh was just promoted from single A to double A. He had a very short stint in single A, as these high draft picks, as we are familiar mm-hmm. with, are want to do. He had five strikeouts. He gave up only one hit in three single A games. So he they got, he got moved up to the Altoona Curve, which is the double A franchise for, the, um, for Pittsburgh. His first game was yesterday. They had a record-setting attendance. For the Altoona Curve, more than 10,000 people showed up. It was a sellout. The only game ever at that ballpark that sold more tickets was when the the Pittsburgh Pirates themselves came there for an (laughs) exhibition game like 10 years ago. He didn't make it out of the first inning. Oh, no. Now, he was going to have a pitch limit. I think he was only going to pitch two or three innings to begin with, but he only got through two outs. Mm. In the first inning, he gave up four earned runs on three hits. He struck out two. Those were the two outs he got. He also walked two. Seen a a couple of different takes. One is, well, the the professional baseball is not college baseball. It's going to take you a while to kind of get used to things. You can't expect this is like his fourth or fifth game that he's played, right, outside yeah. of college. So he's he's new, he's young, so no one is giving up hope. And apparently the fans went ahead and stayed because there were fireworks after <laughs> the game. So that worked out okay. But what people are looking forward to now is in early September, 
the Altoona Curve is going to have a series against the Harrisburg Senators, oh, hey. which is where Dylan Cruz currently oh. is. So his former teammate at oh. LSU and the number two draft pick. So that's going to happen in early September, in case anybody wants to go to Altoona. Oh, it's in Altoona. Sure. They couldn't go to Harrisburg just for us, huh? Well, I can check to see if they're also going to do that. I How don't know. far is Altoona? You were there. Great name. You were just there. We're, no, you Wait. were in Allentown. Right, right, right. I'm lying. I don't know. We can yeah. look it up. All right. Waze is our friend. Sure. Waze that can get us there. Cool. But we're kind of running out of yeah. time. Oh, I hate that. So um, Steven Strasburg has run out of time. Yeah. Steven Strasburg was the World Series MVP in 2019. At that time, he signed a seven-year, $245 million contract um, right after. So right in December of 2019, he's, play, he's pitched eight games since Holy then because his health, shit. his injuries are so bad. We saw the only game he pitched, it was the last game that he pitched, that was in June of 2022 when he was with the, with, with wow. Fredericksburg, right? And we saw that start. Oh, my God. That was his last start, and that was over a year ago. So he's finally saying, you know what? This is done. My arm is done. I can't do this anymore. I can't. Poor we shouldn't guy. stretch this out. So his official retirement announcement is expected to be on September 9th. Everyone is already referring to him as retired, but they haven't actually spoken the official words yet. Uh, but wow. Yeah. Wow. He had a good run until he didn't, until all the injuries started piling up on top of when you when you throw that hard for that long man right it's, it's scary it's, it's a, scary and then it, and it happens so fast you know it's just like boom and that's it yep so i'm gonna tell you a best friend story the closer for the o's felix bautista the mountain mm-hmm. is best pals with um yanir cano who is the rock because he's smaller and by smaller i mean he's only six four <laughs> so it's only when he's standing next to the mountain that he doesn't look ginormous so felix batista is the three-time american league american league reliever of the month this season i think there have only been five and he's been three of them uh friday's game and friday's game he came in he's the closer came in it's always a big to do there's flashing lights there's music there's a hole it's a big freaking deal came in got two quick fly ball outs he had the batter at two and two and then he threw a 102 miles per hour fastball and pointed to his arm, uh, and they took him out of the game. That's a lot he's of miles. He's now on the 15-day IL. He's got some injury to his UCL. It's not yet determined how serious it is. So the 15-day is the precautionary we need to figure out. Is it bad enough that the poor guy's going to need Tommy John, huh. or is it he just needs ice and rest and whatever you do yeah. for you know a strain or, or whatever just to make it better? Yesterday, the day after this happened, was... Felix Batista bobblehead day. Um, so again, it's like the Kiki Hernandez bad yeah. timing, right? But it was even closer. This was like the day, day is before the, the the bullpen guys put one of his bobbleheads in the bullpen oh. so that he was with them. Turns out he was also in the dugout. More about that in just a second. So again, his best friend, Yanir Cano, is going to have to step up, right? So Yanir has been pitching the eighth inning, you know, setting up for yeah. the mountain in the ninth. They live in the same apartment complex, and depending on what story you read, they either walk to work together or they carpool, both of which I think are, <laughs> say the word, adorable, yeah. right? They are, in fact, oh, I'm out of beer. best. Me too. Oh, should I open Me one too? of these? Sure. Do you want to share one of these? Sure. Okay, I'm picking the A's koozie, and it is a ballpark beer. It is the Full Count Lager from DC Brow. Excellent. Here we go. Excellent. So they talk to Cano after 
Felix Batista gets pulled from the game. Oh, by the way, so um, they they so again the last batter, the the the, the third guy up in that ninth inning has got a two two and two count. So uh, Danny Coulomb comes in, throws one pitch, gets the strike, and you know the game's over. And for a brief moment, Statcast couldn't couldn't kind of match things up, and so Danny Coulomb looked like he had thrown 102 mile hour fastballs <laughs> briefly. It's been worked out since, but he threw one pitch, and, the, and that cl- that closed the game down. For the <laughs> but anyway, so they talk to Cano, right, best friends with Batista, and Cano says, "I'll be expecting the music and the lights to start coming on. It'll definitely feel weird." He puts on an entire show out there. It'll feel weird because you know that's his role, and you're expecting him to step in there. But if he's not able to, we'll try to step in. So Saturday, he got his chance. So Cano got his chance to be the closer. And you saw it. And I was there. And so so they, they start playing. So he doesn't have this big to do. They played We Will Rock You. So they, they did, like, they, they pumped it up great. a little bit. He came in, and it, I think you, you may have seen that when, when relievers come in, the umpires stop them before they even get to the infield to do the, the sticky stuff check, mm-hmm. right? So that happened, and it was taking a long time time and then more umpires came out and then the manager for the o's came out like what the heck is going on and they're messing with this glove and all of this eventually they just call for a new glove they swap his glove out and he comes in they had said it felt like there was too much rosin on his glove he's like i just did what i always do whatever it's fine we were all getting kind of pissed it's like come on right why we this is like the least guy we wouldn't expect anything like shady from this guy right comes in perfect ninth right he gets he gets i mean two guys out quickly and then charlie blackman (laughs) comes up we're all worried because he's had a very good night quick line out to gunner henderson and it's over batista is in the dugout he gets up and like watches like Aww. over the edge of the dugout to watch his best friend like do his job and came out and congratulated him. Wow. You know, with a big hug for like taking it over. And after that game, wow. Cano said, My emotions were a little high. I just wanted to do my best impression of Bautista. Aww. Go out there and complete the job and do whatever he would do. Aww. So it was really wonderful. And you can again, this was the sold out crowd and everybody's worried about Bautista. Everybody is all in. For Cano, it was one of those times where you just feel, you know, the however many thousands of people in in Orioles Park are like, we are behind you. That's so cool, and that he could overcome that delay of the bullshit with the glove and mm-hmm. still be mm-hmm. lights out. Like that's going to be instilling a lot of confidence in fans that might be feeling a little woozy just at the news of Bautista being out. Yep, yep, yep. People were getting a little pissy watching all this happen, then yeah. and then he was cool as a cucumber. Okay, great. That's He's got it. Cool. We've got it. We've got your back. We're here for you. Far out. It was it was amazing. It was right. so great. I hope Felix is okay. I hope this is just a little blip. <laughs> Me and, too. And I hope he is back in for the postseason because he deserves it. He like sure he just does. deserves to participate he in that. Has it. I'm gonna um, do more, a deeper dive on Cano on another episode because he's oh, got cool. a really good story. He's Cuban um, on his travels, leaving Cuba and uh, um, dad power, which you have referenced before. He aw. attributes a lot of his success to dad power. So cool. All right, cool things that are happening in girls' baseball. So first of all, we talked about recently the Baseball for All Nationals and the winners of the 14 and under division were the um, the Bay Sox, the San Francisco Bay Sox. And to celebrate this accomplishment, and they were not only did they win the 14 and under d- division, but they were undefeated to win the title. Also notable, the Bay Sox 12 and under team got third place. The city of San Francisco 
celebrated this. The whole fucking city, the city and the mayor honored girls baseball by proclaiming August 22nd as San Francisco Bay Sox Day. There was a proclamation. There was a visit to City Hall by the girls. And also the Giants did the right thing, invited the girls to a game and had all of the info on the big screen. I don't it might be a jumbotron. It might be another screen trademark, whatever. But they they gave the kids the right sight and the right kind of attention that they deserve for that kind of accomplishment. So it's really good to see girls baseball being celebrated both by the city and by a major league baseball team. More of that, please, all over oh, the place. Sure. I would love to see it. Actually, one thing I, I didn't put in here was this weekend was uh, the Maria Pepe. Can I ask you about that? Yep. Series and in New Jersey, and I know DC Girls Baseball uh, participated. And any of our DC Girls Baseball friends who are listening, I so much appreciated that they they tagged us on their "It's a Beautiful Day for Baseball" post. So, oh yay! It's like, oh, that's what Patty says. More girls playing baseball. There was one. Only one girl in the Little League World Series this year, Stella Weaver, and you may have seen tons of media about her because it was, it was there was a lot out there. Being the only girl in the series got her a lot of attention. She broke a record. She got four hits, which broke the American record, doubled it. The last uh, American girl, American-born girl, who was in the Little League World Series got two hits. So Stella with four. Not only that, though, she pitched a perfect inning. Um, she went four for eight with two runs, two steals, pitched a scoreless first inning, played right field, center field, and first base. Wow. Yeah. So she actually tied the record by a Japanese player, Sayaka Tsuchima, and I'm not sure what year that was. But Stella, Stella's from Nolansville, Tennessee. And she got to hang out with Bryce Harper. So this was, you know, the, the Phillies and the Nats had their game there and got to hang out with the Little Leaguers. And props to Bryce Harper for, I don't know, growing into a responsible kind of adult. He had a really good moment where he was actually hanging. She said that they got to hang out together. Um, she got a signed ball. She found out that, and she's the one who broke this story, that they might be neighbors soon, that Bryce is thinking of relocating to outside of Knoxville along with some good friends of ours. So maybe we'll go visit and sure. um, bump into Bryce Harper somewhere. And he made the point to turn to her and congratulate her and tell her that he was really happy for her. Good man. Good I like man. to he's, see that he's happen. growing up okay. Yeah, I think I'm so. Okay about this. I think so. It was hard to lose him, but you know he's doing he's doing right by the Phillies. So Stella's carrying on the legacy. There are 22 girls total who have played in the Little League World Series. Which really, if you think about how many players have played in the Little League World Series, it's not a lot. But the fact that it's growing is really important. And Stella was um, under the media spotlight a lot for this. And she actually got coached before the series, warned that, okay, you're going to be the only girl here. You got to know how to react when you're being asked for interviews. And she took it on like a champ. And and they um, alluded to Monet Davis and how under the spotlight she was when she was pitching there and that that it was a very similar just mature being able to answer questions and actually enjoying being interviewed and and being humble and not just you know basking in the spotlight but crediting her team crediting her coach so i think that she is a a fine young woman who will have a, a great future in baseball monet davis actually is now interning with the dodgers do you know that she interned with the dc grays yeah. in the cal ripkin summer league right here at home also as as a media intern 
it's a lot on your shoulders mm-hmm. when you're not just there as a player, but you're there as the only, whatever the only is right. that you are, because you are representing a whole demographic and people are going to be looking to you in a way they're not looking to any of the hundreds yeah. of other kids who are playing in the, in the Little League World Series. So that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed. Yeah. And in this case, they're 12 years old. Like, I don't think I talked to strangers when I was 12 years old. Like, holy shit. So girls have been, as I said, 22 girls total. They've been allowed to play only since 1974 because that was the aforementioned Maria Pepe. That was the year of her lawsuit against Little League to make them include girls. So even though they were officially allowed to include girls since 74, the first girl played in 1984 and was not U.S. born. It was Victoria Roach from Brussels, Belgium. And of the 22 girls, and I should have counted how many were U.S. born because a lot weren't. There are girls from Japan, Guam, which I guess is a U.S. territory, but, you know, way outside of the continental, that's for sure. Canada, Saudi Arabia, where you can't drive, but I guess you can play baseball. Um, Germany, Russia, and the Czech Republic. And of all the 22 girls, six of them were pitchers. Yeah, Japan doesn't surprise me right. because they have a good women's program, which leads me to believe they probably have a good mm-hmm. girls baseball program too. But I am not aware of that in these other countries. And like you said, especially some of those countries, girls can't do much. I'm glad they're allowed to do some baseball. Yeah, I was kind of floored. But yeah. then that also means, boy, not a lot from the U.S. So it's been picking up. You know, if you look at that first decade with none and then it slowly creeps up and the last 10 years, definitely more. Um, As far as how the Little World Series is going, you guys know more than we do because the championship game is happening right now. And if I were fast with my fingers, maybe I could figure out the score. But it's um, the the Western, the West, U.S. West team from El Segundo, Southern California, is playing against Curacao, which you gotta love to see because the last time Curacao won, I guess they were when they were in the finals. Last time they won was 2004, and that team included Jerks and Profar and Jonathan Scope. So who knows what future stars are playing on the field today? Profar's little brother yeah. appeared recently in the Little League World Series. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I, yeah. I, well, I because Curacao was... is this big. Right. So we know everybody. Yeah. Right? Wow. Very fun. Very fun. Not fun is our police blotter. Oh, boy. Here we go. Good Fr- thing we have beer. And Friday... Oh, yeah, so we switched beers. So now we're drinking, what are we drinking? The oh, yeah, lager? The, the, the DC Brow um, baseball the, beer. The full count the full lager. Count it's tasty. Yeah. Okay, so if you were at the White Sox game on Friday night versus the A's, you were in danger of gunshot wounds. Mm. And we don't know where they came from. In the third inning, two women in approximately section 116-ish, or right around there, which is in left center, had... Ended up with gunshot wounds. One woman had two. From their seats? Mm -hmm. Yeah, two in her leg. And she's in fair condition at the hospital. Another woman had a graze on her abdomen. She refused medical treatment. Again, I say never say no. Right. Because you don't know what's going on. It took the medical personnel a hot minute to figure out that these were freaking gunshot wounds because nobody heard any gunshots. Nobody saw anything right so the white Sox, the team is completely unaware that the shooting could happen because no one reported anything the police who came and investigated as soon as the medical professional said um these are gunshot wounds so there's no active threat i mean they were looking at footage so looking their ass they're they're, nothing is happening so they didn't stop the game 
right? People have gunshot wounds. They didn't stop the game. The biggest question is, did the were the guns fired inside or outside the park? Because I guess where it is, it's possible that a gun fired outside the park and could have hit the people in their seats. Weirdly hit the people in or near their wow. seats, right? They the White Sox said we're not really changing up security, although people at the Saturday game said eh, probably there are more people around, but more people around, I mean, they've already got metal detectors. I don't yeah. know what else they can do to prevent guns from coming in other than the metal detectors, yeah. right? Which is why there is a lot of thought given to maybe it came from outside. There was intended to be a post-game concert by Vanilla Ice. Ice. Ice, baby. Right. So Vanilla Ice, Rob Bass, and Tom Luke. It was canceled. And on, on Friday, they said it was technical issues. <laughs> technical. But on Saturday, they said it, it wasn't a security concern. They weren't worried about mm. people being there, but they really needed to proceed with their investigation. The area. They needed to get yeah. everybody out of the ballpark. They needed to turn the lights back on and be able to check out the bleachers. Yeah. Can they find anything? Are there shell casings? Is there evidence? Is there something which they couldn't do if they were going to wait three more hours for a concert with the lights out and all of that? There are still no updates. As of Sunday, they have found nothing. There is no new information. Weird. They have reviewed footage they have interviewed people they did evacuate like that section that immediate area found nothing yikes so who the heck knows what's going on there um but like when there were gunshots right outside of nats park it didn't stop anybody from going because it's a fluke yeah, that's. And, I was just thinking of that, about that because we went to a game like right after. It was like the game after they had the gunshots outside of the yeah, park, like, and people well, were like asking us. It's like, well, really, like this is the perfect night to go because, because the odds are in your favor. Right? It's already happened. That fluky thing already happened. Right? Knocking on wood. It's not going to happen twice. The other thing is like as if the White Sox didn't have enough fucking problems. Well, yeah. So they other. I didn't even go into their whole front office being fired. Oh, but not the head guy who is also a right. problem because he's the one who said, "Oh, just go ahead and hire my friend Tony. It'll be fine." Uh, <laughs> so there's that whole cleaning house thing happening at the front office yeah. at the same time. This huge losing season that they're having, and now gunshot injuries in the ballpark. And may I just say, the White Sox are coming to Baltimore for the next series and our friends on the um the broadcast team said hey jason benetti's here jason is the um commentator for the white Sox. why is he here early it's like well he's scouting because their season is so bad they're sending out the broadcasters <laughs> to scout to which the reply was maybe he'll bring us ice cream oh yeah he didn't oh yeah oh dang ice cream that sounds good all right, I'm going to continue on yucky stuff. I don't like doing this. This is a police bl- blotter cross-training segment. I feel responsible for the follow-up because I opened my mouth last week and I started talking about soccer, a.k.a. football, to the rest of the world. And I talked about the victorious uh, Spanish women's team for the, for the World, Cl- World Cup. And at this stage, they should have had a week of partying. They should have had celebrations. They should have been enjoying this, having great media attention. But no, that is not what happened at all. So during the awards ceremony, the Spanish uh, Football Pre- Federation president, Luis Rubiales, grabbed Jenny Hermoso by the head. And if you look at the video, 
I think it's pretty fucking clear. He has his hand on the back of her head. Both hands, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can see, like, in the in the shot, it might be both, but it's definitely, like, it encompasses her head. She can't move her fucking head. And he kisses her on the lips for, as part of the award ceremony. That is not okay. So, so for context, this is when the team members right. are coming one at a time through what's basically the receiving line mm-hmm. to get congratulations from all of the powers that be with with the league, with the team, with the federation, all of that, all the way down the line. So there are some hugs, there yeah. are some handshaking and there's some, you know, hey, and everybody's moving along. And then this happens. Yeah. It's yeah, it's crazy. So of course, like what happens at that moment? Nothing because it's uh, the end of the game and everybody's celebrating and they move on. And then it was sort of like, wait a minute, that's just not okay. And so she spent a while not saying anything. She being Jenny. Jenny. Yeah. And then she eventually came out after others noticed this and had been talking about it in media and said that she felt the need to denounce what happened because I believe that no person in any work, sports, or social environment should be a victim of this type of non-consensual behavior. I felt vulnerable and the victim of an aggression, an impulsive machista act, out of place, without any consent on my part. Simply put, I was not respected. Her team has her back. The whole team, uh, notably all of the women who are playing in the championship team, are refusing to play until he is fired. The federation, (laughs) instead of investigating him, asked her to make a comment justifying his act. So this was actually before she made her comment denouncing him. Once the the scuttlebutt started stirring around about, ooh, this doesn't look good, they asked her to make a comment. She refused, but a statement was released. So this is where it gets a little fuzzy depending on which article I read. Some reported that she said it, and some reported that the Federation released it on her behalf, saying that it was a mutual gesture that was totally spontaneous due to the immense joy of winning a World Cup. According to Jenny, she did not say that. She is getting support not only from her own team, but also the English team that they defeated and people from all over the place, and I'll, I'll describe that a little bit more later. There are a lot of players in this with really weirdly opposing reactions. The Spanish government has said that they will take action if the Federation doesn't. The The president, Rubiales, he's completely defiant. Another uh, little strike that he had against him going into this is at the end of the game when he was celebrating. Apparently, a way to celebrate is to grab your crotch and and show it to your one of your coaches. And, and that's what he had had. Um, said the reason why he did it was, was was a tribute to this coach. I don't know. I'm not familiar with the celebration gesture. So it, it was, it's, yeah. So the coach is on the field. He's up in his box with the queen and the princess. Right. And there's like some pointing back and forth between the Federation president and the, the coach. coach. And it was basically a, hey, you did this. You got some big balls. Nice. Okay. Right? Thank that, you for interpreting that for me. That's kind of, that's right. how it was reported right. to me by someone who follows soccer much more closely 
than I do. But but you hit the the important part that it was next to the queen and the princess, sixteen year old princess, sixteen year old princess, who understandably were not so happy about that. He did apologize, and I wish I had written down the fucking apology so that we could analyze it by our apologies because it was not really an it, apology. It included things like if I, you know, right? It, if you, the apology doesn't include the word if at any point. Yeah, no, it was not a real apology. It was kind of like I kind of have to apologize because I did this in front of you guys, but really it wasn't a big deal. Tribute to the coach. So um, the Futbolistas Owen Players Union director, Tamara Ramos, said that he has a past of doing stuff like this. That when he worked with her um, at the Spanish Footballers Association, that he made a lot of lewd comments that were inappropriate, inappropriate, including asking Shocking. her about what color her underwear was. Yeah, yeah. You know, usually guys who do this definitely, you know, it's just a one-time thing, right? They don't have a past. No, of course not. Yeah. And and the, the Spanish women's team has been fighting for a long time on a variety of issues, including almost striking over their low wages compared to the men's team. Where have we seen that before? Right now, it is a mess. And actually, you guys, if you're following soccer, you might know more than us because we're recording on Sunday. You're listening to this on Tuesday. There is an urgent meeting tomorrow, Monday, with the Spanish Soccer Federation where they're going to try to figure out what the fuck to do because FIFA, for once in its its life, the, the international soccer organization, did the right thing, and they suspended Rubiales for 90 days. So he Good. can't participate in any FIFA-sponsored uh, soccer activities, and he can't have any contact with Hermoso, according to FIFA. So I don't know how much water that holds. The Spanish Federation, on their beh- behalf, they are, are doubling down, and they are threatening legal action against Hermoso, against Jenny Hermoso, for what they say is lying, that she exaggerated and she wasn't telling the truth. Which is pretty shitty because it's on fucking video. Watch the video, people. I don't get it. And like you described, the entire team has her mm-hmm. back. So anything happens to her and they're going to walk. And if you watched the finals, you heard the commentators say that Spain has like the world champions at like every yeah. level. And if those girls also are or get behind this they've got nobody right now they have the deepest farm team in women's international soccer because they're champions at 18 at 16 at 14 all of this way down if all of those girls say fuck no right they got where they're gonna be nothing right and and i failed to mention before that jenny is the all-time scorer his Mm. leading scorer of the team so she is an important important player um 11 members of the coaching staff have quit to back her up the coach, uh, Jorge Vilda, who is the target of that crotch grab um, gesture, he said that he condemns without any doubt what Rubiales did. So he came out cl- cleanly against him. And there- here's the one there's all kinds of complaints against. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> Maybe he's, he's covering his own ass. from this, yes. Yeah. Or his own crotch grab. Yeah, uh, there he's going for his own crotch. Um, so the members of the government, including Spain's higher council for sports, are denouncing this, but they have no power to remove him. Only the federation actually has the power to remove him from the federation. So we will see what happens at this meeting tomorrow. There are going to be protests in the street. Uh, the uh, Spanish feminist groups have already said that they're going to be in the streets, at least in Madrid and maybe in other places. But right now, the sign that you see everywhere and the, the bracelets that people are wearing say Contigo Jenny, which means we're with you, Jenny. And she's getting international support from 
just, you know, U.S. soccer players I've seen quotes from all over the place. Fans at major soccer games are holding out Contigo Jenny signs. So this is a big deal for something that should have been a lovely experience. But no. But But no. no. Sigh. Speaking of lovely experiences, we have a ridiculous fantasy team. This is so much better than Police It's so much better because there is absolutely none of that crap. Well, no one that we can see at least are grabbing crotches or or being abusive or, or, you know, behaving in non-consensual ways with other teams. So we appreciate that. Thank you, managers in our fantasy league, which hasn't budged. People have gained a few points or lost a few points, but... The ranking is still the same. Bo's first, Save Me Salvi second. My team is hurt. A suck is third. Razzle Dazzle fourth. And the Set It and Forget It kids are fifth. <laughs> oh my God, here we go. Yep, Wicked Awesome team is six. Short King's back on the IL. Seven. Oh. Potty Mouth is at eight. At least Yee. the defense is good. Is at nine. I'm at 10. Sunny Slammer's at 11. Bada Bingers mm. at 12. Bada Not bingers. a bit of movement in those standings but we've got a few weeks left who knows and we appreciate you all for playing with us and and listeners if you guys are intrigued by these results that we announce each week and you want to play fantasy baseball with us next year it's never too early to let us know so you know we're going to have this happening again all over next season Wow, so we've got this week ahead and I oh, I just I, oh I made you say oh <laughs> yeah. shit I'm That's sorry. so hard to do. That's yeah, that so never happens. Do, right. That never happens. Um, so you know what? You're yeah. you're a pretty rocking teacher. And uh, and I've seen like reactions that students have to you and you are amazing and you change lives. So I know you're strong. Oh, you're so kind. But you're awesome. Thank you so much. All right. I appreciate the pep talk. I'll be okay. You'll be okay. Yeah, just a valium before mm-hmm. bed and I'll be fine. <laughs> you did not hear that. And if there is one, I'm sure it's prescription. It is, it is. Okay. All right, all right. Yep. Um, anything else coming for you this week? Or that's all you can think about? That's all I can think about right now. I hope, I don't know. What else can I do this week? I mean, I know that I'm going to watch the Red Sox play Houston. Hopefully they'll do well. I don't know. What do you got? I got, um, I just bought some tickets to an Orioles game <gasps> because the Orioles announced that Adam Jones is going to sign a one-day contract so he can retire. Really? As an Oriole on September 15th, Aww. my kid, who has had an Adam Jones Orioles shirt for years, is coming home for the weekend. Oh, and so we cool. are going to go to that game. It's double plus scary because it's against the Rays. And right now, the lead over the Rays is getting very tight. And so that weekend is going to be quite something. I think it's going to be a heck of a time to be at Camden Yards, and I'm looking forward to that. So we're going to go see Adam Jones retire as an Oriole and hopefully see the Orioles um, hold on to first place. What a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, my friends, I'm hoping you're going to see some baseball at any level because it's all fun out there. It's always a beautiful night for baseball. If you have stuff to share with us, if you have corrections, if you um, are already thinking about being part of the fantasy team, you can find us on social media. You can find us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at oh NCI. No, I hate fucking that. Name saying is that name is so long. It's so gross. NCIV Podcast. You can still find us there. Or Facebook and Instagram are lovely places, sort of, you know, as social media goes. That would be uh, No Crying and B-Ball. You can also lend us a hand on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash No Crying and B-Ball. And you can throw us like a little bit of coffee money, just like a buck a month. And it will help us keep this podcast going. And we will very much appreciate you. 
It sure will. Hey, my friends, fight the man. It's the right thing to do. Send your game balls to Meredith. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. How confident are you? Mm, seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. All right. Okay. Maybe eight. So look at that. Your confidence eight. is building even as as, as we go. <laughs> right.